Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. As folks know, if they've been listening for a while, on Fridays we take a little time to talk about the week's episodes and sometimes what the research process was like, sometimes what we personally connected with while working on it. Uh, Unearthed has become, well, it's been a favorite thing to work on for a long time. But lately, it's one of the reasons that it's a favorite thing is that I know when it's time to do it. And that is a week where I don't have to figure out what the topic is. <laughs> oh, there is a lot of um, a lot of relief in that moment of not, oh, yeah. what's next? Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot that goes into my thought process of what I'm going to talk about on the show next and a bazillion factors that get weighed into it, like whether I'm going to be able to find the material for it in time and all this other stuff. And so when it's unearthed time, and I have already spent the entire last three months bookmarking things to go through, it's like a whole giant, don't even have to think about that. It is already <laughs> settled and done. It's right there. Smart. Smart. I uh, have a personal and ridiculous point of pride in this, which is that when we got to talking about the the possible Praetorian Guard in the Pliny soldier story, I did not take a Star Wars-related side street. So I'm just oh, going to curtsy to myself here in the shoe closet where I record. <laughs> well, do you want to take it now? Sure. So, uh, I mean, it's not that thrilling, and it involves a thing that tends to get some people very irate. So, um I I don't I don't need to hear if you hate the thing I love that's fine but in uh the last jedi those red guards with the oh yeah the sort of tiered almost armadillo-esque armor are called praetorian guards yeah. uh, named after the actual historical ones but um that's what I think of when I read it so in my head Pliny had pals dressed in all red tiered really cool armor not really sure not really. Uh, I did want to ask you, because I know I have strong feelings uh, having worked in a library for many years, and your beloved, also a library person. Mm-hmm. This whole library finds sensationalism business. Yeah. Yeah. Red Rage. He does not like it either. And was was very happy to learn that the Somerville Library, which I used to frequent all the time when we lived in Somerville, was very happy that they've gone fine free. Uh, my funny story about that is at some point, something happened during my my borrowing history from that library. I don't remember exactly what it was, uh, but I turned in something late and I incurred a, I think it was a 10 cent fine. I had 10 cents of fine or five cents of fine. It was a less than a quarter <laughs> fine, <laughs> right. um, which I paid by handing... Uh, the person at the circulation desk, a coin, and they sort of looked at me with an expression of like, I'm not sure what you want me to do with this. And I was like, I don't, it's it's the fine that I'm paying. I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, and whatever, it never, it never came off of my account. And so when learning this whole thing about the library books that had been found and returned and learning that the Somerville Library has gone fine free, I went and looked at my account, which still exists, because, like, that library cards has, I think, like, a year before it expires. And my fine is no, no longer there. I dun, no dun, longer dun. own the Somerville Public Library five or ten cents. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, uh, Patrick was very happy to hear that they have gone fine free. He does not. He does not like the twenty seven thousand dollar fine stories, and he doesn't really like the financially punitive measures for being late with library books. Right. I mean, here I I have feelings, and probably Patrick has has similar ones. I know, like for me, when I was a college student, I had several books out that were overdue, and then I was so broke that I knew if I returned them, I wouldn't be able to pay the fine, and I was like scared of getting, I don't know, yelled at, indentured by Mm -hmm. the library people. I don't know what I was afraid of. But so I did a very nefarious thing, which I don't recommend, but I went and reshelved them myself. (laughs) And then said, I turned those books in months ago. I don't know. But understand the dirt poorness that I was dealing with. There was no way. And it wasn't even that much. It was like 20 bucks. But in the late 80s and early 90s, when you are 19 and 20, $20 felt like an awful lot of money that I was never going to come up with. Um, And so don't, don't do that. Don't be like me. But then when in later years I worked at a university library, I mean, I saw students with that same fear on their face. And I didn't work circulation. Yeah. But thankfully, like, we had a lot of people in our library that were very understanding of that and not you know, hardcore by the book. And they would be like, that's fine. We're just going to waive it. Please don't stress over this. You have like exams this week or whatever. Like it just, it's one of those things that gets so wadded up in like classism because not, people mm-hmm. don't always have the availability to pay a fine. And like, you know, it's it's one of those things that is so potentially painful because some libraries used to, I don't know if they still do, have those whole things of like, well, if you have an unpaid fine, you don't get borrowing privileges. Yeah. And like for a student, I mean, that's debilitating for their work. Um, And for a researcher even, like most people that are at universities doing research are also not particularly wealthy usually. Um, That's part of what a library is for because you can't afford to purchase those materials. So I, yeah, I'm I'm with Patrick. I feel ire over library fine issues. I would say that here in the U.S., libraries have not always lived up to their ideals of being a free resource for everybody. Like, we've talked about times when uh, libraries were segregated or when, you know, a city didn't have a library that would allow Black patrons at all. Like, that kind of thing has been ongoing. And there's, like, a whole history of that. Um, But, like, sort of the ideal of a library is for it to be a free resource that is accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... If you're going to ban people from the library because they relate with something and they can't afford to pay the fee, like that's that runs counter to that yeah. Yeah, ideal. You're, you're locking out exactly the people who need the resource yeah. the most. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, so yes. I was also um I kind of want to just make a little field trip over to Somerville where I don't live anymore to see like the newly uh the newly restored West Branch Library that was part of that um because it, you know, it had the a beautiful facade when I was going to that library. Like we said, it was it's a Carnegie library. It was built more than 100 years ago. Uh, but the interior of it especially was, like, getting really shabby. And so it was a very, very badly needed restoration project to go on. I'm very curious what it looks like now, now that it's not a library anywhere close to me. <laughs> 
Um, I also have a confession of strange and to me hilarious place my brain went when you sent over your outline and I was reading it. Uh-huh. When we got to the Greek curse jar for a oh, yeah. fleeting second, my brain was like, were they really charging for swear words? <laughs> <laughs> And then I just had, like, the cartoon that automatically runs in my head that my brain builds without my permission of, like, people in ancient times and their weird curse jar where they had to somehow turn in chicken bones. But, um... (laughs) That's so funny. I had not even thought of that reading of the word curse jar. Yes. Uh, If you are a potty mouth like me, that's a phrase that carries a lot of weight and fear. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now I'm thinking about, you know, maybe the 55 potty mouths whose name was... Right? Those are the people who said all the bad words. Yeah. Did you watch the mummy parade that we talked about? I saw parts of it and I saw a lot of photos from it, but I didn't see the whole parade. It was very, very beautiful. I mean, I'm glad we talked about how, like, yes, it's very carefully framed not to show anything unsavory, but it was kind of mind-blowing in terms of just if you're into theatricality and spectacle along with your history, it had it in spades. It was so beautiful. Um, my very best friend, who is big into Egyptology, was, like, texting me the whole time as she watched it um, and, you know, was was very moved by the whole thing. That also happened, I, it seems like, the day I finished writing the previous Unearthed script for the previous installment of, the, of Unearthed, the parade happened, and I was like, we're just going to have to do that next time. Yeah. <laughs> I similar have I similarly have a thing that somebody uh sent as an email or a, a message of some sort this morning, a link to something that I started looking at. I was like, do I need to stop what I'm doing and get this into the thing that we're recording at 10 o'clock? And then I was like, we're just it's not we're talk about that next time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. My other note that I made while we were doing this was the idea when we were talking about the the HMS urge. Mm-hmm. And the other one that was found off the coast of Libya that people had thought was the urge. And I was like, how many conspiracy theorists are going to run with this and say there were two urges because they really want that one off the coast of Libya to have been involved in some secret, completely like undocumented mission? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also like how sometimes it can be really hard to like conclusively ID a shipwreck, especially if it's something that uh, has has not held up well in all of its years on the ocean floor or, you know, is no longer on ocean floor, it's buried in sand or something like that. Uh, it can take a whole lot of work to figure out what exactly ship we are talking about. So I I really love it when it's like, it's written on the conning tower. <laughs> it's right, it right it's there. Right there. It's, it's just right there. It's right there. So, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there it is yep yep so I hope people enjoyed our unearthed uh, we'll have another another round of it in about three months with or without historical curse charts yeah we'll see we'll see (laughs) Uh, so again happy Friday Uh, hope everything goes well over your weekend and we'll be back tomorrow with a classic and Monday with a brand new episode and have a great weekend Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs>